Hello and welcome everyone to the West Coast Gospel Hour here as we are doing a live broadcast on our Ephesians study as we are going to do a review of uh, past and uh, current studies in the book of Ephesians. And I want to welcome you everyone to tonight's live edition of the Ephesians podcast as we are still in that introductory phase. So it is so good to have you. Um, I'm I'm loving it. Welcome everyone uh, to this. And uh, before we get started, just a couple of quick announcements and then we'll begin in prayer. Um, if you don't know, you can go visit our website at figtreewatchers.com. That's www.figtreewatchers.com. Uh, you can look at the uh, previous uh, notes of all of our podcasts on uh, that website. It's pretty cool. Plus, you can see some other content that we have on there as well. And uh, it's so good to have all of you joining us tonight. Uh, also, don't forget, you can listen to the podcasts on all the major platforms, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google, uh, and we would love to have your response and thoughts. Please like and share. We're hearing such um, great feedback from a lot of people, and we just want to thank you for that. Uh, but let's get ready to get into prayer tonight, and uh, then we will get started on um, our Ephesians introductory series that we are doing right now. Dear Father God, I pray, O oh God, that you would guide us to all truth through your Holy Spirit that your scripture would speak to us, that God, the words that come out of my mouth would not be of my own understanding, but rather they would be from you, O God, through your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, uh, you would guide us by your Holy Spirit to the absolute truth of your word tonight, and that we may learn from it, we may glean from it, and that most importantly, Lord, that those who are listening would go back to the scriptures to search them to see if what I am saying is true. Lord, I pray for this, that lives would be transformed, that minds would be renewed, and that, Lord, your sanctifying spirit would come upon all those who listen and that they would be changed towards you in Christ Jesus, we pray through your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hey, hi from Texas, Santana. Welcome. It's great to have you, uh, Chef. Welcome, uh, and uh, it's going to be a great night tonight as we get into this Ephesians study. Now, as you probably know, in episode seven, uh, we were in Acts twenty seventeen through twenty four, and. Um, I gave a lot of content out there, a lot of scripture, but there was one thing that I really wanted to cover tonight that I thought was really important. Uh, and this goes to the authority of the church. If you remembered in episode six, we went to um, the book of Revelation briefly uh, to look at the church of Ephesus and what Christ was telling the church of Ephesus that their role needed to be. Now, this is important. Because Jesus articulated at the beginning of the book of Revelation that he is the one who stands in the midst of the lampstands. And he's the one who will remove the lampstand from the church. In fact, he tells Ephesus, look, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. 
And so we talked about the roles that the church was going to have to have according to Jesus, according to his message to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. And then we came here, we went back to Paul and we went to Paul's special briefing that he gave his elders uh, at with them as he was about to depart for Jerusalem. And we were in Acts 20, 17 through 24. And I want you to keep this in mind because as I mentioned to you before uh, in the podcast that we did on uh, episode 7, that you have to have this mindset of what Jesus is telling the church, right? You have to have this mindset of Jesus' warning to the church. that He's going to remove their lampstand. Why? Because the authority of the church does not supersede the authority of Christ. But for some reason, we've gotten this idea that that's okay and it's not okay. And what is the dictation that Christ gave us? It's his scripture. And we are not to add to the scripture at any point. But this is what a lot of churches believe. They believe that their traditions are equal and as important, if not superior, to the scripture. And yet what's hilarious is they don't actually interpret scripture. In fact, some churches like the Catholic Church um, actually have, have, have told people, we'll punish you if you do your own private interpretation of scripture and it doesn't come from us. But that's not what we're to understand in scripture. It's that the Holy Spirit guides the individual to the truth. And often I hear people say, hey, wait a moment. You know what? I've been praying for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doesn't guide me to anything. Well, my answer is you're not listening, nor are you patient, nor are you devoting yourself to prayer and the study of God's word. Um, you're, you're lacking the patience of it, I, I think, is which is there. So let's look at this passage one more time because I want to highlight on a couple of things that I did not go over in episode seven. It was so much and I was honestly worried about time. I had to cut a lot of stuff from that episode. Um, it's so good to see so many of you in here. Um, I, I see Monique in here and I just saw Whiskey Danger. It's good to have you here tonight. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, um, verse 17 through 24. And um, I'm going to read this again uh, as you, for those of you who have been following the podcast. From Miletus, he said to Ephesus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept nothing back that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me but none of these things move me nor do i count my life dear to me 
so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All right. Please, for the majority of this, please go back to podcast episode number seven on um, our Fig Tree Watchers on Spotify, iTunes, um, Google. And you can find all that podcast. Go back to it um, because that was the majority of what was done in this in this section of scripture was covered in that podcast. However, what I want to come back to is this last line, which I really didn't get to cover in the podcast because of time. And that is where Paul says, so I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Today, we're going to be talking about the authority in which a Christian proclaims the gospel. Where does that authority come from? Now, if you're Catholic, um, or if you're Mormon, or if you're Jehovah's Witness, um, and I'm not saying that Jehovah's Witness and Mormons are Christians, and that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm saying that those churches say that their authority comes from the church and it supersedes the scripture, or it's on par with the scripture, okay? As um, the Council of Trent in Catholicism would argue. Um, and the councils that came after also state those exact same things. That their traditions and their teachings are in equal proportion to the scripture, if not to supersede the scripture. Because that's what the vicar of Christ is, the Pope is. He is the vicar of Christ. And so the doctrines can be changed by these councils when called upon by the, by the Pope. And these councils have changed doctrine, all right? We know that. And this is important to understand this. But Paul is stating something very interesting here. He's telling them that I didn't get my authority from the church. I got my authority from Jesus right here. Now, someone's going to argue with me and say, well, you're kind of twisting that, didn't it? Didn't Paul go to the church and wasn't he commissioned by them to go out? Yes, he was because Paul was humbled. But his mission if was given to him by Jesus Christ. In fact, let's go to the book of Acts where he talks to King Agrippa about this. If we go to Acts chapter 26, he says uh, to King Agrippa, uh, in starting in verse 16, Jesus tells Paul, and these letters are in red for those of you who love the red letter edition, um, but rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. By the way, this is real important. Jesus is selling Paul how someone is sanctified. 
They're sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ. So this whole idea of purgatory sanctifying you is incorrect. You're sanctified by faith in Jesus Christ, okay? And by the power of God, right? Which is the Holy Spirit. I love what Paul then says. He's kind of doubling down. And this is something Paul tends to do in his writings. He doubles down in his statements. He says in verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly, vi heavenly vision. So he's telling you, I was not about to disobey Jesus Christ, okay, in what he told me, all right? But I declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works benefiting of repentance, okay? Notice the order of that. He said, throughout, he preached the gospel throughout the regions that they should repent, number one, Turn to God, number two, and do works benefiting of repentance. So he's not telling them that it's grace and works. He's saying you do the works after you're saved. It's by grace you're saved. Through, And he's saying that repentance has a part of that because you're believing and you're turning toward God. And then you do the works worthy of the repentance of turning to God, Right? That makes sense because that's exactly what Paul writes in Second uh, Corinthians, I think seven ten, where he says, "Godly sorrow uh, produces repentance that leads to salvation." Right? It produces repentance, and then after you're saved, you do the works worthy of that repentance. Why? Because you love God. Why? Because He first loved you, and this makes. A lot of sense when you understand it. So Paul is telling here, hey, this was my mission. And this mission was given to me by Jesus Christ himself. So he's telling King Agrippa, listen to me. I got this mission, this mission from Jesus himself, who is the one who sent me. And I think that that's real important to understand. So the authority does, didn't come from the church. That's kind of a misnomer there. Paul went to the church to tell them, hey, this is what Jesus told me to do. And what do you think the disciples are going to do? You think the disciples are going to go like, no, we, we're not accepting that authority. No, they were like, okay, go ahead. But this is dramatic because if you understand Catholic doctrine, they believe that Peter was the Pope of the church. So Jesus is sending a Paul, the one who murdered Peter's friend, Stephen, right? On a mission on the gospel. And he's not telling Peter, hey, Peter, I want you to go and do this and commission Paul. No, Jesus is doing it himself. He's commissioning Paul. He's giving Paul the keys to the kingdom himself. Not just Peter. He's given them to everyone who believes. The apostolic secession is not in place anymore because what is in place is Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. We're disciple makers today. We go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do that now. 
But Paul here was given the keys of apostleship from, G from Jesus. And he later on, he, he writes in Corinthians, when he's describing all the witnesses, he says, and then Jesus appeared to me like the least of these, one out, like one out of time, right? Why? Because he was an apostle out of time, right? He was literally in a different place when he received his apostleship, but he received it because he saw the resurrected Jesus who appeared to him and gave him the keys to the kingdom, right? Individually. It's kind of like, you have kids, each give them the, the keys to the car, but one kid is off at boot camp or school and you go, oh, here's your keys to the house and everything. I'm giving the keys to the house. But you give it separately. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. So we all have the keys to the kingdom. We've all been granted through discipleship. And I think that this is so important to understand that it's the authority comes from Christ. But let's let's look at this a little bit more. Let's get into it a little bit deeper here. There is this phrase that appears in the book of Ephesians 27 times. And it appears actually in the New Testament 180 times and in Paul's letters 143 times. That phrase is in him in Christ, right? It's either in him or in Christ. Now I want you to imagine this for a moment. This is an amazing thought that is coming through in, in these passages. In him and in Christ. Constantly being said 180 times in the New Testament. One of these is, I think, a very powerful verse that's from 1 Corinthians 1-2. And I want to read it out of the Amplified Bible. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm a big New King James Version guy. I love the KJV, but because of dyslexia, it's really hard for me to read. So I'm a big New King James Version guy. Um, and it's easier for me to speak it because... Uh, with my dyslexia, I, I get tongue-tied quite a bit. But I want to read it out of the Amplified Bible. And the Amplified Bible is different from other paraphrased Bibles because it amplifies the theological intent of the passage. And it's a good one to have. Uh, if you don't have an Amplified Bible, you should get one. Because if you're ever struggling with something, the Amplified Bible is an excellent book to have for emphasizing the meaning of those words. And I want to read it to you. It's 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church, the assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus. Now, what is it that they're emphasizing? They're emphasizing the word sanctified. Okay? For those who are in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Here's one of those phrases, in Christ Jesus. What does it mean? It means to be consecrated, purified and made holy in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, right? And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're going to discuss um, sanctification a lot when we get verse by verse in the book of Ephesians. But I want you to think about this for a moment. How does this contradict the idea of purgatory in Catholic doctrine, for example? I want you to think about it. What sanctifies you? Well, you're sanctified in Christ Jesus. You're consecrated, purified, and made holy in Christ Jesus. Oh, come on, Stefan. 
Aren't you kind of like exaggerating that a little bit? Well, listen, he's going on here. He says, for those who are selected and called to be saints, God's people, right? He's telling you that those who are selected and called, who are those who are in Christ Jesus are selected and called, okay? So he's telling you something we already know from the book of Ephesians that's coming out. It's very clearly written out. Together with all those who in any place call upon and give honor to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, right? So he's telling you that the church overall is made up of believers who give honor to the name of the Lord Jesus and those who in any place call upon and give honor to the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's call upon the Lord, right? Those who call upon the Lord. If you call upon the Lord in, a, in your struggles or when you're desperate, the Lord is faithful. He will hear you and answer your prayers. So I want you to think about it. It's all in Christ Jesus. In fact, um, for those of you who have probably heard the podcast, Brother Io and I are um, uh, memorizing scripture together as a part of holding each other accountable. Um, in fact, Pastor Jack at, at the church I attend, he said it's a burden to him right now that he wants the people in his church to to know the word of God. And when um, I heard him talk about this, I really started thinking about, I need to memorize more scripture than I already do. I need to get deeper in my scripture memorization. And I talked to Brother Io about it, and Brother Io was like, yeah, we do. He goes, let's do it. And so each, um, every two weeks, we're met, we're memorizing a major chunk of, of scripture. And we're in Colossians 3 right now. And it's in Colossians 3, when you get to the 11th verse, that it uses this phrase that is just amazing. But Christ is all and in all. And it's, why, why is he saying that? Well, he says earlier in the above verses that come before that, um, he says to him, listen, and having put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So what does that mean? Well, it's the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the scripture, right? Who is being created in the image of Christ, who is being created by Christ. The new man is created by Christ. So when you come to this understanding here of 1 Corinthians 1, 2, you understand that you're a new man in Christ, right? You're a new creature. And so because you're a new creature, your sanctification is done in Christ Jesus. So Christ is all and in all. Wow, that changes everything. When you start understanding this phrase of Christ being in you, the hope of glory, you start realizing that, wait a moment, it's not me alone. Christ is in me. And you start looking at communion completely different. Also, the, the idea of communion. You start realizing that Christ is in you and that when you are taking communion out of obedience, 
you're not having the presence of God in the communion. The presence of God is already in you. And the reason why you repent and you confess your sins before you take communion so you don't take it in an unholy manner is because you do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit residing inside you. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit who is residing inside you, who has sealed you for the day of redemption. You want to come before the Lord in communion and confess your sins and come clean with Christ. And it all comes back down to this authority thing. It's in Christ. Christ is the one who sends you out to preach the gospel. Christ is the one who resides in you. Christ is the one who sanctifies you. You're sanctified in Christ Jesus. These are all those beautiful words that we've been hearing, right? And it's amazing. You know, even Jesus talked to us. I will abide in him and he will abide in me. In me. You're in Christ. Okay? Um, the, the, it just never gets old. Never gets old. Let me just run through some of these scriptures also. Um, 2 Corinthians one twenty eight. But it is God who confirms and makes us steadfast and establishes us in joint fellowship with you in Christ and has consecrated and anointed us, lendering us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So once again, you're in Christ Jesus. You're sanctified, you're made holy, and you're purified all in Christ Jesus. And this is amazing. Because we keep thinking that these are works that we do. We just do works worthy of the repentance and the salvation that we receive from Jesus Christ. And this is fantastic. And it's so freeing and liberating to know that you can come into the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to renew you, to change you, to transform your mind. Oh, come on, Stefan. You, you, you don't know what you're talking about here. Okay. All right. Let me, let me give you a little bit more. Okay? Just, just bear with me for a second. I want you to understand this. Okay? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.18. For the message of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, where is it written? In scripture, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And since in the wisdom of God, the world, okay, of this world, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Right? So how did what did Paul preach? He preached the word, right? He preached the word. Look, quick jump. Bear with me. One one quick thing, and I'm sorry I'm jumping around like this, but I want you to think about this for a second. Because this is an amazing thing. This is um from Galatians. Galatians chapter one. We're gonna go to the eighth verse. And I wasn't planning on this, but this is really good. Paul is saying here, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven 
preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Okay, what what is Paul saying? Paul's saying that if I come or an angel comes who preaches a different gospel than what I preach to you, Galatians, then let that person be accursed, even if it's me. So what is he establishing? He's establishing that that which he already gave you is the authority by which you need to go through. That's the authority. And that authority is absolute. Oh, come on, Stefan. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with it. Okay, let's go one more. Let me give you a couple more because there's, you know, two or more witnesses, a matter is confirmed. So let me give you a couple more witnesses in the scripture so you understand this. Okay. This is coming from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. And I, brethren, I came to you. I did not come with excellence or speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What is he saying? He's saying that what he spoke to them was not of his own words, but it was the words of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Well, that sounds familiar. That sounds like something we hear, heard from him telling Timothy. All right, we're going to look at that in a moment. However, he says in verse 6, we speak wisdom among those who are um, mature, not yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are in the who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. So what was this wisdom that was given before the ages of our glory? The word of God, right? The whole counsel of of God, as Paul would later call it. Um, the, the oracles that he describes in, I believe, Romans chapter 3 that were given to us by the Jews. He goes, what's the superior act of the Jews? They had the oracles of God, the word, the, the words and the writings of the prophets and the Psalms and, and the scriptures of the Old Testament. They had it. That's the benefit of the Jews. They had the oracles of God. Okay. So this is good. All right, let me go to this passage now in Timothy. And I want you to understand this because I'm going to give you quite a bit here um, from Timothy to think about. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. What doctrine did he have? The doctrine that the Holy Spirit gave him that he gave Timothy and the church of Ephesus. Remember, Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. He says, again, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, affliction, which happened to me at Antioch and at um, Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. Now, and he did endure some. And out of them, 
all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I want you to go, there's that phrase again. If you desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. It's a promise. Again, we talked about that in episode seven. In fact, we use this very verse there. Um, but then he gives you a warning, and this is the, the warning, okay? But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Here it is. He's telling you, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So they make you wise, the scriptures make you wise in salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he gives this famous verse, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is um, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work. So once again, this goes to that sanctification clause that we read about earlier. You're made complete, right? Made complete. Do you need to be sanctified once you die in purgatory? No, that's not what this is saying. It's saying you've been made complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wait, how can that be that you've been made complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work, and yet when you die, you go to purgatory according to the Catholics? This is this is contradictory doctrine. So why I'm pointing this out to you is our doctrine does not come from church. It doesn't come from John Calvin. It doesn't come from Martin Luther. It doesn't come from Arminianism. It doesn't come from Reformed theology, dispensational theology. Our doctrine comes from Scripture. It's guided to us by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, but Stefan, man, I, I, I just can't accept that. I mean, how do I know that, that what the Scriptures tell me that I'm understanding it correctly? Well, James said it. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Wait a moment. You're telling me that God is going to grant me the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the scripture and he won't find fault with all the sins that I've committed against him? Absolutely. Well, that's too much faith, Stefan. That's just way too much. I don't have that kind of faith. Well, that's not my problem. That's yours. <laughs> Do you really want to criticize me? Because I believe this. And you don't. That you're so religious that you need to allow the church to tell you what your doctrine is. John Calvin to tell you what your doctrine is. Because you can't, you're too lazy to search the scriptures to find out what is true. Listen to what he says in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready in season and out of season. This is so important. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. 
for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I think we're in that time. I think this is the time when no one wants sound doctrine because everyone wants to argue that their church is right, that they go to the one true church, whether it's Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, high reformed, high end church, low end church, whatever it is. But no one wants to endure sound doctrine that's biblically based. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn away their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Fables. I think about this one all the time, right? And I'm not, I'm not really trying to pick on Catholics today, but it just seems to be coming to me right now, right? The Ascension of Mary. The Ascension of Mary. Let me ask you something. How many eyewitnesses were there to the Ascension of Mary? Zero. You know how, how we know this? Well, because the Ascension of Mary, the earliest historical documentation of the Ascension of Mary, of anyone mentioning that it, this was even a possibility, was in the 5th century, 500 years after Mary died. In fact, of all the documents, and I believe there's like 24 writings of people who resurrected from the dead and ascended in heaven, by early church fathers in the first 300 years, right? Mary is not listed on one account, right? Like when you go through the church father writings and you're reading them and they're talking about people who are raptured into heaven, people who ascend in heaven, they mention Jesus, they mention um, Elijah. Some will even mention Paul's writing where he ascended in, but nobody mentions Mary. And it's not because it was this bias against women, but if you think... Mary was like ascending. I mean, come on, this is the mother of Jesus. You'd be like, yeah, oh, and don't forget about Mary. Don't forget about Mary, right? For 500 years, no one mentioned it. It wasn't a discussion. It wasn't brought up. In fact, there's not an eyewitness account of it. No one, there's not one written person of someone saying, I saw Mary ascended into heaven. It shows up 500 years later. It's kind of like, how people now are going, the Holocaust didn't happen. We got books upon books upon books of log entries done by Nazis who described every hair color, uh, the, the eye color of the individuals, um, where they were from, their names, first name, last name, their families, line, where they, everything, these log books, hundreds of them, of all six million Jews that were killed. There's not like not one missing. They got them all. They, they were so gleefully in documenting their atrocity. It's why they were all so easily convicted at Nuremberg, right? But there's nothing for Mary. But now in the same way, like 500 years later, there's nothing there, right? And then they start making it up. Well, that's what they're doing now. You have people going, oh yeah, the Holocaust didn't happen. You got, every, even on Christian campuses, you have people denying the Holocaust. You have journalists in every news agency denying the Holocaust. Professors on secular campuses denying the Holocaust. And we're not even 70 years out. So what makes you think that people aren't making up doctrine 500 years later under the authority of the church? 
And then it became doctrine, right? Because you tell a fable long enough and people believe it. And that's what Paul's talking here. They won't endure sound doctrine. They won't endure it. We can't even endure it 70 years after an event. We start lying about it. And I love this line. They bring on teachers, themselves teachers, to lie to them. Uh, I have a very, I I know someone um, who is the daughter of a, a minister who was a Baptist preacher uh, who loved the word of God and would constantly point everyone in his family back to the word of God. This person, uh, after this father, before their father even died, they converted to Catholicism. And they mock people. In fact, she uses the phrase, those of you who carry your leather-bound books around. She doesn't even call them Bibles. Your leather-bound books around. She makes a mockery of what's in those books, which is the word of God. She claims that she reveres the word of God. But even if you believe that the Apocrypha is word of God, our New Testament's not missing anything. Our New Testament's the same as the Catholic Bible. How dare you mock what is equally in both Bibles and mock it? Or as one Catholic said, and in fact, it was actually her daughter, said, I don't even read my Bible. Congratulations, Satan won. Satan won in getting you not to read your Bible. Congratulations, you, Satan won. You don't even read your Bible anymore? Because she's convinced that she bought into the lie that the Bible's been altered, which is hilarious because that's what atheists say the Catholic Church did. Right, And we know that the papacy didn't change the scriptures. We know this. I mean, I'm sitting here telling you, papacy didn't change the scriptures. Scriptures have never been changed or altered. You'd have to go back and you'd have to alter it. Now, could they have altered church father documents and all that stuff? Probably, maybe. But the scriptures themselves, they've not been altered. Why? Because you'd have to change archaeological events. You'd have to change scriptures that we have, uh, manuscripts that we have discovered recently would have to have been changed that we just discovered, uh, dug out of the earth recently, which state the very same thing as all the other scriptures have over the centuries. So those newer ones that are much older than the old ones that we have, that we have discovered recently, they would have to be altered, but they're not. And the places and the events would have to have been altered. And archaeology proves that they haven't been. 140,000 digs relating to biblical archaeology, none of them contest the scriptures. In fact, today, atheist Muslim scholars, um, non-Christian scholars, uh, Christian scholars, Jews, they stick to the accuracy of the scripture. They are like, oh yeah, this stuff was there. In fact, I heard a Jewish archaeologist who's not a Christian talk about the accuracy of Luke's text in helping him find archaeological sites. So I want you to think about that for a moment. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, 
fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. What does this mean? Fulfill your ministry. Well, it's exactly what Paul said, right? He said he wanted to go and fulfill, finish his race with joy and the ministry which he had received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Grace of God. Man, this series, this introductory series and in, in, that we're doing in on Ephesians, and we're we're getting ready to go into it. And I've got a couple more episodes that we're going to be doing in the introductory series, and then we'll start verse by verse in verse one. I've got to tell you, it's been the hardest series I've ever done in my entire life. I've I've taught through James, I've taught through Peter, I've I've done in Revelation, um, I, I've done books of the uh, Old Testament that we went through. None of them have been as hard as this series and have never been so attacked in my entire life as I've been attacked on this. And this question that we've been asking, which is this, can you as a saint made holy by the blood of Jesus live sufficiently under the blessing of God while boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus with incorruptible love in a hostile pagan world. Today, the world is absolutely hostile and pagan. We are living in the days of Noah more than any other day. And I pray that you begin to memorize the scripture and hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Look, we might disagree on some points. I get it. Some of you are Catholic and you're probably screaming mad at me right now. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Because I want you to go back and test the scriptures that I gave you today. I want you to read them for yourself. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, guide me to the truth. Who do I believe? Hopefully you'll believe Paul, not me. (laughs) I want you to believe Paul in his writings right there in the scripture and the Holy Spirit because I'm fallible. And if I'm fallible, the Catholic Church is fallible because we know the Pope's fallible, right? I mean, he wants to give communion to fallen angels, right? Uh, aliens, as he said, um, which are fallen angels. I'm, I'm just saying, man, put your trust in Jesus, Let your life be in Christ. Let everything you do in word and deed be in Christ Jesus, right? That's what I want for you. It's for you to be sufficiently found in Christ Jesus. Where Christ is your absolute all in all. Christ is all and in all. As Colossians 3 says. May the Lord bless you tonight. And uh, I'll keep it short tonight. I think that's everything I wanted to say on this subject. And may God bless you richly. And may he watch over you. And may he protect you. And keep you safe. Now, quick thing. Before I go. um, Does anyone have a question? Because I do have some extra minutes here. I looked up. Uh, Does anyone have any questions? 
I'll give it a couple minutes. All right, I don't see anything here. Let's see if anyone else came in. Hey, Alphabet, 718, it's so good to see you. Sorrel, so good to see you. Man, uh, Poncho, so good to see you. You guys are awesome. Man, that is awesome. Good, Whiskey Danger. Good to see you too. That is good. Well, I'm, I'm glad um, that uh, you are all being blessed by this. And I hope that this uh, study is encouraging you to walk closer with Jesus. And by the way, I'm just glad to see so many guys in here tonight. That's what I'm really excited about. Um, I love it when the men stay up and, and want to hear the word of God. And I hope that this series in Ephesians is blessing you. If you're not listening to the podcast, please go on Spotify, iTunes. It's free podcast. You don't have to pay for it. Um, and check out on Fig Tree Watchers. A little looks. The, in fact, the, the podcast has that little uh, fig tree that we have for our logo on it. And uh, get caught up on the Ephesians part of the podcast. You can also listen to all the other parts that are in there. The um, End Times Chronology and Current Event podcast that we have on there too. So there's other content on the same um, page and you can just kind of scroll down and see which one you want to listen to. Um, the episodes are marked. And then follow us on uh, uh, Telegram and here, like, share. We really do need the likes and the shares. And uh, we just want to say thank you because every time you do that, it's sending it out farther. Um, we're in 43 different countries right now and I just want to say thank you for that. Um, it's by you sharing it. So that's awesome. And uh, um, where we're really seeing an impact in right now on our stats is in Holland. I don't know why, but Holland is craving the gospel. So pretty amazing. God bless you all and uh, good night everyone and take care.